You're listening to the Islamic Sustainable Finance and Investment Podcast, the show discussing the latest and most exciting developments of Sharia-compliant sustainable finance. The Securities Commission Malaysia launched the Sustainable and Responsible Investment-Linked Sukuk Framework earlier this year as an extension of the initiatives under the SRI roadmap to facilitate fundraising by companies in addressing sustainability concerns. My name is Marlena Karim from Islamic Sustainable Finance and Investment, and we are joined by Sharifa Tulhaniza Said Ali, the Executive Director of Islamic Capital Market Development at the Securities Commission Malaysia, to talk about this framework. Hi, Haniza. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Marlena, for having me here. So tell us a little about the newly launched SRI-linked Sukuk framework. Okay, um, well... Uh, thank you to IFN for the opportunity to share the progress of the work um, that we have recorded in the SRI space and focusing on our latest uh, development. I, I just want to provide a little bit of context um, to the listeners. Uh, we've come a long way since the introduction of the Sustainable and Responsible Investment, or rather in short, the SRI Sukuk framework that we issued in 2014. Um, we've made significant progress um, since in that area. So the SRI issuances, just again for the for the context setting, we've covered a variety of green and uh, social projects. As at 30th June this year, actually, 27 companies have issued SRI Sukuk and bonds, uh, both single issuance and program. Uh, total issuances um, to date is more than Ringgit Malaysia, 11 billion for financing various projects in uh, solar, green building, hydro projects, um, affordable housing, uh, bank lending uh, activities, sustainable vegetable farming, uh, sustainable water supply and social projects. So given that ample uh, potential for advancement within the SRI sphere, um, we believe that it was timely to broaden the SRI product offerings. And, and we wanted to provide innovative solutions in support of the nation's transition uh, to a low carbon economy. And we kept in mind the development of transition finance. So to provide that clarity now to the listeners um, here, the SRI linked Sukuk framework was recently introduced at the end of June, uh, 2022, uh, just a couple of months back. And what we had aimed to do was to facilitate fundraising by issuers who are committed to address sustainability concerns, uh, be it climate change uh, or social agenda. What, what it has is that it's got features relating to the issuer's sustainability or performance commitments. Um, the highlight of this um, issuance um, is that it allows issuers to use the proceeds towards general corporate purposes. And the framework in turn provides guidance to issuers aiming to achieve their strategic sustainability goals. So, for example, in reducing their CO2 em emissions, um, you're making your measurable targets public and you're abiding to it within a certain timeline. So if you are able to meet your KPI and sustainability goals, an example of that, your profit payment might be reduced as an incentive for achieving that objective. Um, I think we've we've got another key import, um, development that uh, we want to also share here that to encourage and further spur this continuous issuance, we also expanded the SRI Sukuk and Bond Grant Scheme, which we had established in 2018 
to include the sukuk issued under this SRI linked sukuk framework. Um, and this is with effect 8th of August. Um, and what it will do is that it will assist eligible issuers in defraying their cost. Uh, up to 90% of the external review costs incurred, subject to a maximum of ringgit um, laser 300,000 per issuance. Um, and for those issue, uh, listeners who may not have uh, or be very familiar with this, this grant was first established for green SRI suku issued under the SE's SRI Sukuk framework. It was later expanded to include all types of eligible projects under the SRI Sukuk framework uh, and also the bonds under the ASEAN Green Bond Standards, ASEAN Social Bond Standards and ASEAN Sustainability Bond Standards in 2021. I understand. So what benefits does a KPI-linked Sukuk framework have compared with the SRI Sukuk framework launched in 2014? Well, under the SRI-linked Sukuk framework, the proceeds raised from the issuance can be utilized for general purposes. What it does is it provides a clear economic incentive because they are now transiting towards better sustainability practices and low carbon activities. So what the issuers will do is they will commit to future improvements for sustainability outcomes within a predefined timeline. Uh, targets are monitored using KPIs, Key Performance Indicators, and Sustainable Performance Targets, SPTs. So the financial characteristic or structure of the SRI link sukuk might be varied. Um, it will be based on the success or performance of the issuer in meeting its KPIs and SPTs. So what's key is that issuers are um, accorded that flexibility to utilize the funds for their day-to-day -day business operations, for example, improving processes or distribution efficiencies to reach commercial targets whilst embarking on their journey to achieve um, their SPTs. Whereas under the SRI Sukuk framework, the proceeds are earmarked exclusively for specific purposes and SRI projects. So it provides greater transparency, uh, Marlena, for investors by, you, by requ requiring the issuers to appoint an external reviewer before issuance and also an independent verifier post-issuance to assess compliance with the framework. And the issue sustainability performance can be tracked by their investors. We're hopeful that through greater engagement amongst issuers, arrangers, issuers, this new evolving market will allow greater mobilization of private sector and issuers financing towards sustainable development. I see. So essentially, the use of funds has very much been broadened with this new framework. Yes. So how will the framework facilitate companies' transition to net zero? Well, we know reducing carbon footprint is a challenge for businesses. I mean, it is... Um, I think it is with that in mind that when we introduce this framework, we want to encourage companies to raise funds uh, through efforts to achieve its transition strategy, but at the same time reinforce its commitment towards a low emission future. So they publish their intention. They are clear, relevant, measurable targets. And improvement of failures to achieve those targets would be reflected in the financial characteristics of the issuance. So an issue of an SRI linked sukuk must therefore engage with an external reviewer. You ensure your, your targets are ambitious 
Why that is so is because we want to reflect and represent a material improvement in the respective KPIs. Um, this is beyond a BAU trajectory. It's no longer business as usual, but you are given that, that enabler. So the issuer must also have its KPI performance against the SPT externally verified on an annual basis in order to be compliant with the framework. I think we also know that by tying financing to companies' sustainable targets, it will push more companies to be ambitious and driven towards reducing their carbon emissions. I understand. So how does the new framework contribute to the SRI roadmap? We launched the SRI roadmap in 2019. And what it aimed to do was to elevate Malaysia's SRI agenda, um, provided a strategic direction for developing a very facilitative ecosystem and chart the role of the capital market in driving Malaysia's um, agenda in sustainable development. So the launch of this new framework serves an extension of those initiatives under the SRI roadmap, which had included, amongst others, widening the range of SRI instruments, uh, increasing SRI investor base, building a strong SRI issuer base through the issuance of SRI links, and it's not only um, an extension of the SRI roadmap, it's also in line with the SC's Capital Market Master Plan, CMP3, where we reinforce Malaysia's value proposition as the regional uh, center for Sharia compliant SRI. Um, because if we, if we recap and reiterate on the objectives of the SRI uh, link Sukuk framework, what the framework does is it's addressing sustainability concerns such as climate change but also the social agenda. Um, and therefore, there are significant opportunities for, the, for this segment to attract diverse issuers and investors to the, to, to the fact that we hope the framework will provide principal advices also to promote the awareness to the broader stakeholders of the economy. So what are the main issues and challenges the SC as a regulator has faced in the Malaysian sustainable finance and investment space? That's a very good question, uh, Marina, because, you know, I mean, a journey as such as important as this would always um, face issues and challenges as you get to your, your destination, right? The sustainable finance market has seen remarkable growth in, in, in recent years. But whilst, whilst you see a lot uh, of ongoing initiatives, there also have been challenges that that has influenced the, the, the scale up of this, of this particular segment. And just, just to share with you in a recent report by JC3, uh, a few of the key sharing that came out of it was that one of the key challenges in driving this agenda is the lack of quality and availability of actionable ESG data. Uh, data is, is, is what everyone needs, right? To understand and, and how do you move forward. In addition to that, the various definitions of sustainability and approaches to ESG incorporation by be it investment management firms, uh, regulators, and investors around the world suggest that there is a lack of standardization. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of work towards it, but there is still that lacking. And the, the paucity of disclosure regulation um, made ESG disclosure voluntary. But as a consequence, what is reported is uneven and inconsistent. And, and reaching consensus around disclosures is also proving a little bit elusive. 
Um, but definitely the efforts on convergence of standards are, are gaining momentum. The Bursa Malaysia issued a public consultation paper in March uh, to review its sustainability reporting framework and will make mandatory disclosure for material environmental information across the board for all PLCs. Uh, November last year, another development, the International Financial Reporting Standards Foundation announced the formation of the International Sustainability Standards Board, ISSB. What the board intends to do is develop a comprehensive global baseline for sustainability disclosure standards to help meet the information needs of investors. Um, and its first standards um, covering climate disclosure is to be issued in the second half of uh, 2022. Another key challenge I, I, I think we must not forget always is the lack of awareness about sustainable finance in the market. And, and I think in realizing that, and in order to raise that awareness and also capabilities to better promote understanding of sustainable finance and investments, um, SE has also led several collaborative efforts, uh, be it in the Islamic space, whether it's scholars, in the industry with practitioners, regulators, intermediaries and investors, uh, because I think continued discourse and, and ability to catalyze discussions in several areas, including the role of ICM, whether in infrastructure, sustainable development, Islamic social finance and impact investing, all very key pertinent components in this agenda and ecosystem. How does the Securities Commission see Islamic finance contributing to the sustainability agenda? Well, one of the prominent ways that um, Islamic finance can contribute is to address the funding gap for the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, we have a report in 2020 from the OECD mentioning that COVID-19's impact on SDG financing needs uh, in developing countries is expected to increase financing gap by 70%. Um, that's equivalent to about US $4.2 per annum post-pandemic, and this is where Islamic finance can be an important source of financing. Um, Islamic finance is expected to see global assets uh, grow at a projected rate of about 8%, at least until 2025. And this is coming from a base of about US $3.4 trillion in 2020. And given the widening geographic reach in Asia and the Middle East and high growth potential in South America and Europe, Islamic finance is in a sweet spot. It's a prom promising but untapped source of financing for the SDGs. And specifically looking into the Islamic capital market, uh, Malaysia is a leader in Islamic finance, um, or the leader actually. SE has put in several initiatives in place that can help accelerate the achievement. For example, uh, we had established the SRI Sukuk framework in 2014, the SRI funds guidelines that was issued in 2017 all spurred product offerings. And that resulted in issuances of SRI and Green Soko. What can we expect from the SC in the future in terms of sustainability guidelines and regulation? SC remains committed to advance the sustainable agenda. Uh, what the CMP3 or the Capital Market Master Plan has laid out are initiatives to shape a stakeholder economy. Uh, we want to mobilize more capital towards sustainable 
businesses. We want to see that happening more. And in that also to embed a greater shared accountability within the capital market and particularly corporate responsibility to shareholders beyond short-term profitability. And DSC is also undertaking a multi-pronged approach. Okay. We're working with relevant stakeholders towards JC3 and government-linked companies. And currently, we are developing an SRI taxonomy for the Malaysian capital market. And this will establish guiding principles to identify and define economic activities that support ESG objectives. Notably, this taxonomy will also include a social component to promote society, social benefits, and well-being. So with all that, moving forward, as the capital market continues to mature, uh, we're adapting to emerging trends, including heightened awareness and concerns over sustainability matters. I think what the SE will do is refine its regulatory framework to facilitate new developments in the market. Our strategy on regulatory approach will be more principle-based and outcomes-focused. And this, we hope, will enable market participants to realign their compliance framework in accordance with the nature of businesses and also risk parameters. But in addition, to strike an optimal balance between innovation and regulation in the developmental agenda, the SE adopted the principle of proportionality also for liberalization measures and the rationalization of regulatory frameworks. The ultimate aim for SE's regulatory framework is to promote market growth uh, and integrity in a rapidly evolving environment that embraces sustainability, competition, and innovation. And that is where we want to go. Thank you, Haniza, for being on the podcast. Thank you, Marina, for having me here. Thank you for listening. For more discussions on Islamic sustainable finance and investments, log on to www.islamicsustainable.com. You can also listen to the episodes on your favorite platforms, including iTunes and Spotify.